Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. If you're here for the first time, I'm Pastor Chris, and we welcome you in the name of our Lord Jesus. We're going to start a new series today. It's called Passing the Baton. If you were around in 2022 in February, we had a series like that when we announced that I, the lead pastor, would be passing the baton of lead pastor to Pastor Alex DeRosa on January the 24th of 2020 or 28th of 2024. And at that time, we had a series where we talked about how Moses passed the baton to Joshua, how Barnabas passed the baton on to Saul, who we know better as the Apostle Paul, how Jesus passed on the baton of leadership from himself to his 11 remaining apostles before he returned to heaven. And at that time, I preached the first message, and then Pastor Alex and I co-preached the second one, and Pastor Alex preached the third, symbolizing that the leadership would be going from me to both of us to him. And, uh, you know, to be honest, January 28th, 2024 seemed like a long ways off in February of 2022. But now it's a little less than four months away, and we decided it might be a good idea to have another series reminding everybody about what's happening and when it's happening. And this series is going to be a little bit different because uh, we're going to have three preachers in it, not just two. It's going to be, I'm preaching today, obviously, and then Pastor Barry, our Perry Liker, our executive pastor, will preach the second message, and then Pastor Alex, and then the three of us will be up here preaching together in the fourth week of the series. The symbolism of that is, I'm the lead pastor. Pastor Barry has been, uh, I said last week when we honored him for getting his doctorate, like my right-hand man for the last nine years almost, and he's going to certainly be Pastor Alex's right-hand man as well. And then the three of us preaching together is to symbolize that even after I'm not the lead pastor and then not even uh, on, you know, actively doing ministry day-to-day after June 30th of next year, Lord willing, I'm still going to be around and we're still going to be teaming up together as uh, we seek to advance the cause of sharing, growing, and living the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time, hopefully for a long time to come. So I want to address something before we move to today's scripture. Most biblical leaders who passed the baton to other leaders got a permanent promotion. It's a polite way of saying they died. Um, So... You know, uh, except for today's example, Elijah. Now, unless God has a different plan than he's revealed to us so far, I'm still going to be around after I pass the baton to cheer Pastor Alex on. I hope for a lot more laps around the track of sharing and growing and living the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. Today's take-home point reminds us of something important, and that is when one of God's leaders passes the baton, the new role is to cheer for and encourage the next runner in the race. Now, if you're thinking, wait a minute, didn't you just say that mostly when the biblical leader passed on the baton, they died? Well, yes, I did say that, but here's the thing. Even when we leave this life, we can still encourage others through the legacy we leave and as part of the great crowd of witnesses. So we have a lot of scripture we're going to cover today. So before we get started, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are a good God that you have created us in love, and that even when we rebelled against you, you did not desert us. We thank you for the life we have in Jesus Christ. And today, as we talk about this important matter of passing the leadership baton from one generation to the next, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to each of us the thing that we need to hear um, so that we can live more faithfully, either as a runner or as a spectator who's cheering on those runners. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So our first scripture addresses the statement I made right before we prayed, and that is about making an impact even after we leave this life. So if you'd like to join me in the Bible passage that we're going to use, you can turn to your Bible, your Bible app to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It reads, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, some translations say cloud of witnesses, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Now these words follow immediately after what we call often the faith chapter. Chapter 11 of Hebrews tells us about dozens of men and women who lived their lives with God at the center no matter what. These men and women gave up fame and fortune. They gave up comfort and ease. They even gave up their lives so that everyone would know that God comes first. And the author of the Hebrews tells us that these people who have gone before us are cheering us on. Now, uh, while he calls them a huge crowd of witnesses, the image is is of a a group of spectators in a stadium, like Acrisure Stadium, except for it's set up for a track meet instead of a football game. There's a track, and and they're all watching and cheering on. How do I know that? Because of what we read. It says, let us, the ones who are still running, to strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So one day, each of us who has served Jesus faithfully, who has run the race, will join the crowd, and we will cheer on those who are still here. We don't see them, we don't hear them, but they're there. Think of it right now, as we're here, surrounding us, Moses, Barnabas, Jesus, Elijah, Ruth, Esther, dozens and dozens, hundreds, millions of those who have gone before us. If we could see those millions of people when we leave this place and go to our place of work tomorrow or school, we would probably find it a lot easier to strip off every weight and the sin that clings so closely and run that race faithfully. One of the greatest blessings of my life to this point has been being part of that great crowd of witnesses known as New Life Christian Ministries, the living crowd of witnesses who are actually running the race. You've helped me to become who I was created to be by God before the foundation of the universe, really. You have helped me do that by cheering me on when I'm running the race effectively and by correcting me and getting me back on the track when I've gone down a rabbit trail. And some of you who have done that are older than me, Actually, most of you who have done that are younger than me. And the thing that I want you to understand is that we get to continue to do that with Pastor Alex and the rest of the staff members and actually with each other for as long as Jesus waits to return or allows us to be here on this planet. So um, our take-home point is not just for me on January 28th of 2024 or June 30th, 2024, but it's for every single one of us who is running the race faithfully in Jesus' name. So let's turn to Elijah and Elisha. Here we find the most incredible passing the baton account in all of Scripture. Unlike Moses, 
who died as Joshua became the leader, or even Jesus who died and then rose again and then returned to heaven when he passed on the baton, God chose to take Elijah directly to heaven without dying. We read the account in uh, 2 Kings 2, verses 1 to 18. I, I told the 830 service, you know, if, if God wants to do that for me on January 28th, I'm good with that. You know, like if he wants to come down in the middle of the service, uh, we're passing it on the baton to Alex and I get to go up into the fiery thing with God. I'm good with that. I'm not expecting that. And I don't think anybody should be expecting that. That would make quite a YouTube video though, wouldn't it? All right. So we're going to take a little bit of the time because it's a long passage of scripture and we're going to break it down. So it says, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. Elijah tried to make his day of departure an ordinary day. Like, I'm just going to take a little trip. You stay here. He told Elisha it was a simple thing. And all they were going to do is go from Gilgal, which is a little east of Jericho. They were going to go northwest to Bethel, which is just north of Jerusalem. The distance would have been about 12 miles. Now, we say 12 miles. They're going to walk 12 miles? Well, that was a normal thing for them. For us, not so much, but it would just been a, you know, sort of walk in the park for them. So it says, but Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. Elisha knew that Elijah was going to be taken up that day so he wouldn't leave his master's side. Elisha had learned how to be a prophet from Elijah. They'd grown close through working together and living the challenging life of being a prophet. You know, one of the advantages, I think it's a great advantage of New Life Succession Plan, is we aren't calling some unknown person from some church somewhere in another state or another place, but we're calling somebody who's been part of New Life, who will have been almost 10 years when Pastor Alex takes over as lead pastor. He knows our mission, vision, and values. He's helped to shape our culture. He's been on staff long enough that he knows what this church is all about in the direction we are going. He and I have become not just co-workers, but close friends, and I have learned from him as he has learned from me. Elisha didn't want to lose that kind of connection that he had with Elijah. Perhaps he even thought if he stayed right by Elijah's side, maybe he could grab him and keep him there for a little bit longer. In any case, when Elijah and Elisha arrived in Bethel, the group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered but be quiet about that. So the news about Elijah had spread. The prophets in Bethel knew what was going to happen that day. And when they brought it up to Elisha, he told them to be quiet. Sometimes we think when something's going to happen that we don't want to happen, that if we just like don't think about it, it won't happen. But if it's God's will and God ordained it, it is going to happen. You know, over these past couple of years, there have been a few moments when I've said to myself, you know, I, I still have it. Even though I have to sit down to preach, I can still preach. Like maybe I could, you know, keep on going for a little bit longer. And in those times, I remember something. God is the one who ordained this process. My role is to endorse it and to help lead us through it. With every single passing day, I am more and more certain that this is God's will and purpose for New Life Christian Ministries. And he's even brought the additional staff that we're going to need uh, in the years ahead to move New Life into being more and more faithful to God's purpose of sharing, growing, and living the new life of Jesus Christ right here in Saxonburg, in our region, our nation, and to the ends of the earth. 
So after Elisha's brief encounter with the prophets of Bethel, we read this. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. If you know Israeli geography, uh, you know that the trip that Elijah and Elisha were about to take didn't make much sense. They had just traveled from Gilgal to Bethel, which was a trip of 12 miles northwest, and now they were going from Bethel to Jericho, which was a trip of 12 miles southeast. If you heard what I just said, they basically ended up a couple miles from where they started. So why, why go all that way, especially when you have to walk to get there? Why would they do that? that, that well, the first thing you need to understand is when God is the one who speaks and the leader listens, good things happen. And, and sometimes in the history of God's church, God has asked people to do things that made absolutely no sense in the moment. But when God's leaders listen and when the people respond good things happen. One of the qualities I appreciate most about both Pastor Alex and Pastor Barry is they seek God's direction and plan in their lives and for our life together as New Life Christian Ministries, and they follow it in the Spirit's leading. So once again, a group of prophets engaged Elisha. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Same conversation. Elisha wasn't trying to deny reality. He just didn't want to face that reality yet. We've all been there. So then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. 50 men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided and the two of them went across on dry ground. Wow. I mean, Elijah had the power of God. The only people that we read about who can do that kind of thing in the Bible were Moses who parted the Red Sea and the Jordan River. And the first time when Moses parted the Jordan River, they were on the east side of the Jordan. They were coming into the promised land. Now Elijah and Elisha are about to leave the promised land and go to the other side of the river. And the same thing happens. He strikes the river with his cloak and it parts. Now, it was 21 more miles from Jericho to the other side of the Jordan. So they traveled 12 and 12, 20, 21 uh, miles, about 45 miles. That's a lot of miles in one day. If it was one day, it doesn't tell us that all happened in one day. It just says God gave Elijah three commands. Each time he obeyed the command, each time Elisha went with him, this time something different happened. The 50 prophets of Jericho went along for that 21-mile trip. Now, when Elijah and Elisha got to the Jordan River and it parted, they walked across, but the 50 prophets didn't. Why? Again, we're not told. It could be maybe the 50 prophets didn't know if the river would stay parted, so maybe they would drown. Maybe, we don't know for sure, but here's what we do know. Elijah needed to have a private conversation with Elisha. It comes next. So maybe that's why they stayed on this side. Elijah and Elisha went on the other side. And it says, when they came to the other side, Elisha, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. 
You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided, and Elisha went across. Now when we read an account like that in the Bible, there really are only a couple of things we can think. The first thing we could think is, that could never happen. I mean, this has to be a legend, a myth, a story. has to be made up. Or we can say, well, it's God, and God can do whatever he wants to do. And so this is an authentic account of what actually happened. Pastor Alex, Pastor Barry, and I are in a group who choose the second one. We believe that this and all the miracles that we read about in Scripture actually happened. That's one of the many reasons why I'm confident about passing the baton to the next generation of leadership. Not just Pastor Alex and Pastor Barry, but all the pastors and staff and all of the team members here at New Life is because we trust God's word and we follow it in the power of spirit. So Elisha did several things. First thing he did, he tore his clothes in distress. He was sad. His master had departed. He didn't want to lose him. He mourned Elijah's loss, even though he knew that Elijah was still alive, actually more alive than any of us here in the room are today. When Elisha saw Elijah and the chariot had vanished, what did he do? Well, he picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah as he went up into heaven, and he went back to the Jordan River, and he hit the river, and he called on the Lord, the God of Elijah, and the same thing that happened for Elijah now happened for Elisha, the river parts. You know, that sequence of events tells us a lot about Elisha. If you had your mentor, your father in the faith, be taken up from you, what would your response be? Maybe what you would do is you would just sit there for a while, right? You, would, you wouldn't believe it or you would think, well, I need to build a monument here because Elijah was taken up into heaven. Or, or maybe you would have thought, I don't know what to do. But Elisha didn't do any of those things. He picked up the cloak, he walked back to the river and he got started. Where was his ministry? It was in Israel. And so he crossed over the Jordan and he got back and ready to start his ministry. That time would show as uh, we see that Elisha actually did inherit a double portion of Elijah's spirit because Elijah is recorded to have done seven miracles in the Bible and Elisha, 14. Everything that Elisha asked from Elijah happened. And then it says, when the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests upon Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Sir, they said, just say the word and 50 of our strongest men will search the wilderness for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has left him on some mountain or in some valley. No, Elisha said, don't send them. But they kept urging him until they shamed him into agreeing. And he finally said, all right, send them. So 50 men searched for three days, but did not find Elijah. Elisha was still at Jericho when they returned. Didn't I tell you not to go? These 50 prophets realized that Elisha now had 
Elijah's spirit. But what they didn't realize is that Elijah was gone. He was taken up into heaven. He was never coming back. Elisha had already dealt with that. And he tried to get the prophets to understand. You don't understand. You're not going to find him. But they kept asking and asking. And finally, he said, all right, go ahead. And for three days, 50 prophets searched all over the place for a potential return of Elijah. And after three days, they came back. And they said to Elijah or Elisha, we can't find Elijah. Now, it doesn't say this in Scripture, but I know what Elisha actually said. Duh. I already told you that you weren't going to find him. I already told you that he was gone. You see, Elisha was ready to move forward. And we all have folks who have meant a great deal in our lives, as Elijah did to Elisha. Uh, We know that Elisha never forgot Elijah. You couldn't forget somebody like that who formed basically who you are. And that happens in our lives. But Elisha moved forward. He continued to serve God faithfully. He continued to run the race in his generation. And that's our calling in every generation. Each of us lives only one generation. And the reality is it might be a long one or a short one. And our generation might overlap with several other generations. But here's the key. When we have served the Lord faithfully in our generation We will rest with that great crowd of witnesses until every generation is brought together by Jesus. You know, that's amazing news, isn't it? One day, every one of us who knows Jesus as Savior and Lord will join with all the people in all of history who have gone before us, and we will celebrate. Jesus talked about it a lot. The book of Revelation talks about it a lot. But the reality is every generation gets one generation here. We get to run the race of faith and we get to do it as we were encouraged with all these weights taken off, the sin taken off because we can look to Jesus who did it perfectly. Only one, whoever did it perfectly. He's our guide and he gave us the Holy Spirit so we can do it. So if we have some overlap, then what we get to do is we get to move from runner to cheerleader, if you will. We get to cheer on the next runners. So listen carefully to this final point. If God gives us the opportunity to cheer on the next generation, our role is to cheer. We've had the opportunity to run our leg of the race. Now we get to cheer on the next runners. You know, I'm grateful that it's looking like I'm going to get to cheer for a while. I mean, I'm 66, I'll be 67, and theoretically I could live another 10, 20, 30 years. But if I don't, then I'm glad that I've got to run the race so far faithfully and that one day when I pass on the baton, whether it's for 10 minutes or 10 days or 10 years or 20 or 30 years, that I will be able to take the role that I actually took when I was in high school. In high school, I was on two relay teams. I was on the 880 relay team, which tells you how long ago I ran the race because they don't even measure in yards anymore. It would be the 4 by 200 and the 4 by 400 It was called the mile relay back then. And you know what? I was the second runner in all of, on both of those teams. And so the first runner was very fast, and I always had a lead when I took the baton. But after that first ran, runner ran, he got off to the side, and he cheered me on. And then I ran my half a lap or my lap, and then I passed the baton on to the third guy, and then I watched two guys run, and I cheered for them. That's all I could do. I couldn't push them. I couldn't do anything but cheer. And that's the calling that we all have once we pass the baton to the next generation. Each of us has a role to play. We either run 
or we cheer. Those are the two options that we have. And today's next step tells us what we can do. I will run the race with endurance if you're still running. And if I've passed the baton, I will cheer the next runners each day until I get to do that forever. So it's either run or cheer. You realize both are blessings from God. Both require Jesus to lead us, and both mean that one day we will get to cheer him on forever. Amen? So if we are going to either run the race or cheer, something has to happen first. We have to let Jesus be in charge of our life. I love how the author of the Hebrews put it. What he basically said is, if you want to see how to run the race, look to Jesus. He's perfect. He did it perfectly. He never made a mistake. He never slowed down. He, he never got off course. He ran the race to completion. And it says because of the joy that was set before him. The joy set before him, he's standing at the right hand of God right now. He's praying for us. That's what Romans 8 says. He is telling his heavenly father all about us. He's advocating for us and he's cheering with that great crowd of witnesses for our victory, for us to be faithful as he was faithful. But before we can do any of that, the first thing we have to do is put Jesus in the driver's seat of our lives. He has to become Savior and Lord. Here at New Life, we say that that's as simple as ABC. Three things we do. First, we admit we admit that we've been holding our own baton, we're not passing it off to anybody, and we're running for ourselves. We're sinners. We're just doing the things that we want to do. And we have to admit that. That's the first thing. Then B, we believe that Jesus came to the world as a little baby, a human being, one of us, and he lived the only perfect life ever lived. He ran the only perfect race ever run. And then he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. He rose from the dead. And he returned to heaven and set, sent the Holy Spirit for each of us. So we believe that Jesus is Savior, rescuer from sin and death, Lord, which means master, owner, and God. And then see, we confess that to God the Father. We say, God, I admit I'm a sinner and I believe that your Son is Savior and Lord. And now I proclaim that he's Savior and Lord in my life. He is now the one who's running inside of me by the power of your spirit. And that's the thing we ask for too, is we ask for his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to come into us and live in us and empower us to finish the race faithfully. So if you've never done that before, you've never asked Jesus to be Savior and Lord in your life, I'm gonna pray right now and I'm gonna pray as if I'm you. I would encourage you to pray with me. You don't have to pray these words. The simple thing, as I say so often, is to transfer ownership from ourselves to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are, the creator of everything that exists. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus when we turned away from you, when we ran off the course. Thank you for sending Jesus to show us how to run the race. God, we thank you this day that Jesus lived, died, rose again, and is with you now giving us your spirit and your power. We claim him. I claim him as Savior and Lord in my life. And God, right now, I, I confess that to you and I ask that you will fill me with your spirit so that I can live with Jesus as Lord and Savior in my home, in my workplace, in my school, wherever it is that I might be this week. And God, I pray for all of us who have prayed a prayer like that at some point in our lives that right now you would pour your spirit into us new and fresh that we can live boldly and confidently 
humbly and compassionately for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.